0: Welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we're reading page 233. Step after step after step. He glanced back. The apartment building was not as far away as he had expected. This walk, he decided, was a mistake. But he was already three or four minutes from the apartment, and the bridge over the lake was in sight. It made as much sense to press on as to go home, and then what? What? call a taxi on the dead phone, wait for spring. He had no food in the apartment, he reminded himself. He kept walking, revising his estimates of the temperature downward as he walked. Minus 10? Minus 20? Minus 40 maybe? That strange point on the thermometer where Celsius and Fahrenheit say the same thing? Probably not that cold. But then there was wind chill, and the wind was now hard and steady and continuous, blowing over the lake and coming down from the Arctic across Canada. He remembered enviously the chemical hand and foot warmers he had taken from the men in the black train. He wished he had them now. Ten more minutes of walking, he guessed, and the bridge seemed to be no nearer. He was too cold to shiver. His eyes hurt. This was not simply cold. This was science fiction. This was a story set on the dark side of Mercury, back when they thought Mercury had a dark side. This was somewhere out on rocky Pluto, where the sun is just another star shining only a little more brightly in the darkness. This, thought Shadow is just a hair away from the places where air comes in buckets and pours just like beer. The occasional cars that roared past him seemed unreal. Spaceships, little freeze-dried packages of metal and glass, inhabited by people dressed more warmly than he was. An old song his mother had loved, Winter Wonderland, began to run through his head, and he hummed it through closed lips, kept pace to it as he walked. He had lost all sensation in his feet. He looked down at his black leather shoes, at the thin cotton socks and began seriously to worry about frostbite. This was beyond a joke. This had moved beyond foolishness, slipped over the line into genuine 24-carat-Jesus-Christ-I-fucked-up-big-time territory. His clothes might as well have been netting or lace. The wind blew through him, froze his bones and the marrow in his bones. And that's our page. This page continues, and I cringe because of how relatable it is. While I haven't gone for a walk while wearing seasonally inappropriate clothing and sub-zero temperatures, I have tried to do things while sicker than a dog, and that glance backward is eerily similar to how I felt when leaving the house to go, say, grocery shopping, over staying in bed and napping away the sickness. We also get more of a feel for what Shadow's dealing with. The phone doesn't work because cell phones weren't nearly as ubiquitous as they are now. He has no food and no winter clothing, If he doesn't leave his apartment, he'll die there of starvation or dehydration, or even might just freeze to death there as well. I would say, in this case, pressing on is probably a preferable idea, but it's still a questionable choice. I also never knew that at negative 40, Fahrenheit and Celsius were actually the same temperature. I guess it makes sense that they'd meet somewhere on the thermometer, but I think what I had decided was that negative 40 was so exceptionally impossibly cold that they just didn't even care about accuracy anymore and just slapped it on the thermometer wherever. We also get another call back into science fiction that Shadow must have read as a kid. Previously it was Future City and the nod to Frank R. Paul's illustrations and here it's a bit less specific but I think it's more in line with just characterizing Shadow and giving him this extra layer without diving too specifically into it, it's not like he's picking up a science fiction book off the table and remembering in an awkwardly written way about how he read it as a kid. It's more just he has these associations because he read science fiction as a child. And, you know, if we're talking about freezing cold, it makes me think of Gully Foyle floating out in space for six months and the stars of my destination. See, that's how you do it awkwardly. I also didn't realize liquid air was a thing. When cooled low enough, it changes from a gaseous state to a pale blue liquid. Air was first liquefied in 1883 through a process of cooling and pressurizing that is much too complex for my English major brain to contemplate. Liquid air was also a brand of vehicle founded in 1899. The plan was supposedly to operate vehicles with liquefied air as a cheap alternative to other fuels. One U.S. gallon of liquid air would have cost approximately a shilling, which I believe is comparable to a U.S. nickel? Perhaps? Feel free to correct me on that one, Jimmy, if you're out there. Please help. Oh shit, wait. Just because you're British doesn't mean you know how American stuff works, does it? Well, I love you anyway, Jimmy. Of course, it wasn't a real vehicle and never made it into wider production. I didn't find a ton of references online, but it sure sounds like a scam, which just makes me wonder if Wednesday was involved. The sci-fi imagery continues as Shadow watches the cars roll by, seeming more like spaceships than automobiles. It's funny because I think he's legitimately losing his mind a bit from the cold. Winter Wonderland was written in 1934 by Felix Bernard and Richard B. Smith. It's referred to as an old song his mother had loved, which... It just seems like an odd way to refer to a song that is exceptionally popular and played a lot around Christmas. But perhaps it was different in 1999-2000 when the book was written. Perhaps it's not as well known and overplayed in England. I don't know. But it was first recorded by band leader Richard Himber in the Hotel Ritz-Carlton Orchestra in 1934. Here's a clip from that version, I say, My as I'm not sure if I have it available, Are you On vocals listening? In the lane, snow is glistening. A beautiful sight, we're happy tonight. Walking in a winter wonderland. Gone away is a bluebird. Here who see. It's not a Santa and all that shit Christmas song, but often makes it onto Christmas albums because, you know, snow. There's supposedly a Swedish version of the song that contains a reference to a mythological creature known as a Tomtar or a Nis, which has a certain similarity to a kobold, even more specifically Hintelman, short, white beard, red cap, which when I think of red caps now I'm just going to think of Mithras, I guess. But most descriptions it sounds more like a kobold than anything else. I don't think it's Neil making a direct reference here, but I just wonder if maybe he stumbled across this same factoid in some other book in the 90s and held it away until he needed it. It would not be out of character for him to do so. Shadow begins worrying about frostbite, which we discussed briefly with Mad Sweeney, though not in too much depth. The skin first feels cold and then goes numb with a prickly feeling and can be accompanied by joint and muscle stiffness. Shadow isn't there yet, but certainly could be pretty quickly. Sometimes it can set in as quickly as 30 minutes after first exposure, especially if there's bad wind chill, which, well, there is. Genuine 24-carat Jesus Christ, I fucked up big-time territory is another one of those lines that just stands out. It's fantastic. I don't have any other analysis for it, but I love it. Get in touch with the show at theworldbeyondthetail at gmail.com or on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. Thank you to Julian Granginage for the use of his version of St. James Infirmary Blues as the show's theme, and thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another page, and remember, only the gods are real.